my whanau and welcome to season three episode eight here on best side today i'm chopping it up with jay rooker it all started with a dream in a literal sense jay rooker the new co-dean at taranaki cathedral church of saint mary's in new plymouth joins me on an episode to talk about religion and its relationship to colonization and the reconciling of those two worlds. We explore what it's like growing up within a household run by church leaders and we also talk surfing, uh, colonization, family and the church's role in settling Aotearoa as an English colony and they all play out uh, in some interesting, real interesting corridor because I know I've had a lot of chats, especially on our socials here with Bestside, uh, with a lot of you about how being Māori or being Indigenous but also being a Christian and how that all looks and what that looks like. So we went direct to source, speaking to someone who can speak from both those perspectives. We also get into a very elaborate quadruple about chicken and we talk about Jay's immersing back into te ao Māori as well because, of course, there are a lot of us out there uh, who haven't had too much to do with uh, whether it be te reo or even knowing our whakapapa and things like that. And a lot of people at the moment are on a bit of a journey to return to those things. So it's all here, Fano, And let this quote stick with you. Before you change, you need to be challenged. That's just one of many from this corridor. Stay strapped in. Make sure you're listening to us and leaving us reviews um, all over the show. We'll come back more of that afterwards. But right now, here's Jay Rooker. We've called this one Crusading Against Colonization. Uh, uh, I just did an awesome sniff into the microphone there. Yeah, yeah, ko Taranaki te maunga, ko toko maru te waka, ko te atiawa, toku iwi, ko poku tapu rawa ko Nati te witi, ko hapu. Uh, uh, ko, uh, yeah, ko Jay Ruka, uh, unwa. So, uh, yeah, I whaka Papa to Taranaki. I was born in Papa Ioia, Palmerston North. Uh, shifted to Wakatu Nelson when I was 10, then to Kawatiri Westport when I was 14. So, I had most of my life growing up in the South Island, but uh, so all my teenage years were in Kawatiri Westport, uh, and then made my way sort of north again, uh, from, from, uh, is about the age of 19. Went up to Altair, Great Barrier Island, ended up up there for four years. Went to Aussie, ended up in Auckland. And uh, yeah, my whanau, we just shifted here uh, this year. Yeah, I always knew I'd come here, come home to my ahi car, even though I wasn't born here. My whanau left here in the Heki to Pornaki back in the 1820s. Uh, but um, yeah, my, funnily enough, my mum and dad ended up shifting here just before me as well. So that's uh, cool. So my mum and dad live here now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So added to like another sign to come home? It was actually. It was just, uh, we, I mean, we, my, my wife and I, um, we, we always knew at some point we'd be coming here. Uh, it was just a matter of when. Uh, and I, I put it off as long as I could because uh, I'll say it nicely. I always <laughs> felt the colonialism <laughs> Uh, around around here when I came down to visit and stuff like that, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to live here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's all changed now. 
So yeah, yeah. even like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will definitely come to that. Stuff. <laughs> we'll definitely come to that, bro, because that was a big reason why I wanted to have a quarter with you too, because I've seen some of the mahi that you've been doing and um, a lot of questions I get given from like, you know, guests, or not guests, sorry, but like listeners and stuff like that. There's a lot of questions I get asked. Yeah, about, yeah, yeah. Like, let's call it the reconciliation, I guess, because I'm not yeah. too sure what else to call it between uh, the church and tangata whenua. Which is a big thing that we'll touch on. Oh, but, come on. But before we dive into that hōhunu stuff, bro, what were you like as a kid, do you think? <laughs> How would you describe yourself as a child? What was I like as a kid? Um, I was, I mean, sport was my thing. You know, I just wanted to... I dreamed of being uh, uh, buried in my All Blacks uniform when I grow up. I'm still, I'm still, oh, I'm still old now for that dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dad was a league player, uh, so you know I grew up going watching him play league. Uh, but where we lived, there wasn't a league team, so I played rugby. I got injured when I was 13, and as I, uh, put, you know, pulled my ligament in my knee, but I got into basketball during recovery and and also had my growth spurt so uh basketball became my my, my passion in life so as a, as a kid I was just all over all about sport so pretty much basketball skating and surfing was my jam uh and playing guitar so that's what I loved to love to do growing up um uh yeah I reckon I was a pretty pretty happy go lucky um tamariki and taiohi and yeah lots of all, I was. I feel, you know, I use this word in an awesome way. I feel very privileged from my upbringing. You know, my my mum and dad uh, worked super hard to give my me and my siblings some pretty incredible opportunities. So yeah, life was life was awesome. And was um, <laughs> let's call it spirituality. Was that always big in your household? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Uh, I was. I, I think I was two years old when my mum and dad started going to church. So they weren't from a church background. They would have been in their early 30s or something when they started to go to church and um, and became a followers followers of Christianity, I guess. Uh, so I was pretty much raised in that, yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah. So my earliest memories has always been going to church and then my parents became church ministers and I was pretty keen to play sport. But anyway, I the, the, sort of the calling, if you want to say, cut in on yeah. me, and I decided to, be, to to go into church work as well. <laughs> did you give it as a kid? Because I feel like we all go through that stage. But um, I mean, you might be different. Did you ever push back or question stuff when you were a kid in regards to Christianity and faith and that sort of stuff? Um, or you towed the line. Look, I, I would say I I relatively towed the line. Uh, I, you know, drinking and alcohol or whatever wasn't, you know, I, I wouldn't say I had any, you know, over-the-top vices or anything, you know. But, uh, no, I, 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 I mean, when you grow up in Westport and one year, you know, you go to church, there's, there's not many cool kids that go to church, if you, know, if you know what I mean. So I was a little bit of loner in that regard. You know, like, like or, you know, or, you know, none of my mates, you know, sort of went to church or anything like that. But if, I don't know, I, I just did accepted it as something that I did, but it wasn't until, uh, I mean, I left home when I was 18, went to Christchurch to to 
uh, do uh, I went there to be a teacher because I get lots of school holidays, right? Um, but to do my training, but it was ready to go and play basketball. But it, uh, when I was nineteen, I ended up doing a more sort of intense, focused sort of specialized Christian training type of thing, and okay. and I, I I went to do that because they were going on an outreach to Bali. <laughs> So, you want to, so I wanted to go surfing, bro. I wanted to go surfing, you know. But I, 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 I would say it was that then, as a, as a nineteen year old, I had a bit of an epiphany in my wairua That's like, oh shit, Jesus is real, <laughs> you know. It was like, oh, fire out. There was something. There was something about the wairua tongue that that really came alive in me at the age of nineteen, and from that day on, that's I, I, you know, I've been. On a pathway of trying, to, you know, of Tikaroha and Puno, trying to, you know, do the right thing and blah blah blah, made heaps of mistakes. Yeah, but I've so nineteen is when it really became my thing. And was that like spurred off a specific incident that happened, like one? Because sometimes you, oh, yeah, know, you hear different yeah, yeah. stories as a singular moment. Other times it's just like slow things that come. No, nah, well, look, there was a specific moment that wasn't. Like to me, it's exceptional, but nothing happened. Nothing amazingly amazing happened. There wasn't no light bulb or anything like this. Yeah. I was like I had said, I had gone to do this sort of Bible Christian training six month course. Three months was study, three months practical work uh, um, over, over in Indonesia, actually. Um, so, but I, I guess before I before I went, you know, I, I didn't have I didn't have the money to go, but we're hoping that student loan student allowances and stuff were going to kick in at some point and pay for it. But three days before I left, Mum and Dad, who they just sold their house in Nelson because uh, they were going to buy in Westport, and the, with exchange interest, whatever it was, interest rates, they got given an extra two thousand nine hundred and eighty four dollars. And my course fees were $2,984. Wow. So mum and dad, their words to me, Jay, we think we think God wants you to go and do this. So I was like, sure, okay, sweet. So I rock up there. Uh, there's, it's a pretty small course up on Altair, Great Barrier Island. And, you know, people, of course it's a Christian thing. So people are writing, the, the leaders make you do this. Go and spend half an hour, write down what are your expectations for the six-month course. And, you know, everyone's saying, oh, I just want to go help the planet or I want to grow closer in my walk with God, whatever that means. And I'm, so I'm listening to all these people and going, you know, they'd written a page long of what they want to do. Mm. And I'm like, oh, far out, where the heck am I? I wrote one sentence and that was, I, I want to meet Christians who surf. <laughs> You know, so that's why I was spending three k or sort of thing, and hopefully going to Indo. But I was in a. Um, it was the fourth day of the course. Some guy was speaking. I don't know what he was speaking on. I can't recall. But I'm sitting down in the back of the room, chair leaning against the wall, and I just this thought this in my mind is like I opened up, and I was like, my exact thought was, "Shoot, Jesus is real." That's it. I must follow this way. My must just, and that's all it was. But something within my being was like, "Flip! I got to do this." So can you describe that a little bit? Just that feeling. I mean, what, yeah, it, what, yeah, what yeah. it kind of felt like. Obviously, I'm not looking for like a eureka moment. Nah, nah. You know, no, no, like it didn't look like any. It was... didn't look like anything externally, but internally, I want to say the sense of knowing. 
knowing that even though I'd been brought up in the church all my life, it wasn't a real thing. You you were just dotting I's and crossing T's as you were, you know, with what, what was expected of. But for me, the I, I, I guess the the feeling or the vibe was clarity. I was like, I could just see this clear thing of like, oh, I can feel God saying, follow me. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a crack. <laughs> you know, and, but that, but that has been, or that, and, you know, of course there's moments along the way, but that is the instigation for me of, of it was a moment of clar- clarity that made sense. I think it spoke to my uh, who I was as a nineteen-year-old at that time, or or something. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, there was just this sense of sitting in this chair, listening to this guy talk about Christ and going and the way of Christ, and I was like, oh crap, Christ is real. It's just not a religion or a structure my parents have brought me up in. Yeah, so so yeah. Well, if that makes sense. So when all this, when all that <laughs> yeah, kind of took place and and went down, how did that like um, did it affect you much like socially within friend groups and stuff? Because like a lot of people when they have moments like that, yeah, sometimes it yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say a falling out, but it's just a it's a, a it's a very uh, it's a blunt massaging of trying to bleed. No, for me, together. nah, nah, like, nah, not for me. I mean, my my world predominantly predominantly has been raised in the Pākehā world, so I wasn't raised on the Marae or in Te Ao Māori, you know, at all. But so for me and my friends in a v- in very very white Westport, you know, none, you know, when I went back there, nothing nothing changed. Uh, it was more I was the driver, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So I sort of. You know, looked after my mates as they did their thing and <laughs> vomited on the footpath or whatever it was. Mate, you know, yeah, yeah, I want to yeah, take yeah. a moment right now to shout out to all the fellas just like you who take those bullets for all of us mischief guys, because yeah, you're you're an important cog of the wheel, my brother, and how things go. So yeah, no, nothing socially, nothing, nothing's ever changed for me I mean I've relatively always been a very people going person and Mm. just fit into places so yeah yeah nothing that way changed let's talk about that stuff then like you mentioned the party stuff like how to jest and things obviously but is there any sort of like conflict with those sort of scenarios or because obviously some people think there is right that you can't kind of party and do that sort of stuff yet still adhere to Christian values um, what, what's your perspective or what are your thoughts or what do you say to people that think like that like back then or now or well, whatever let's talk about both let's do we can, we can, have, we can visit the past and then come to the present um, hmm. look right now in my brain I see a pot plant with a steak on it in other words when you're young when you're a fledgling when you're a little you know plant growing you yeah. need support so you need some form of structure in place around your life to help you grow into who you're supposed to be into what you're supposed to do when you get older you know you don't see a cody tree with a stake still you know still tied to a stake you know because it doesn't need it yeah. and the greenhouse it might you know or wherever it's growing um but uh so i i, I think there are you know I sort of relate that stake in a way to 
to my church experience, to things of like going to church, to the sacred scriptures, you know, and you could also, you know, you could also tie that to, you know, marae and tikanga as well. You know, mm. there's things are put in place to help you grow, grow strong. But when you get older, you know, you don't need it. So I, um, it's funny, if you ask this question to my sister, she definitely struggled. She definitely didn't know how to, you know, there was, there was her church life and then, sweet, I'm off to the parties, you know, and or, or whatever. But for me, that I, I, I just didn't have the tension. It wasn't a thing. Like, I didn't drink because I didn't like the taste uh, of alcohol. I, I, I didn't do drugs because I didn't want to do drugs. I saw what happened to people. I saw what happened to my friends who were incredible, sporty, active people just become not sporty and active, you know, or whatever. I, those things weren't weren't my jam. And so I, I, I personally, I, I just, I mean, there was there was no line, and nor at times was I feel like I was even presented with a line to, to cross, you know. Uh, um, so. Uh, for for me, those spaces were pretty normal, and in in a way, as they are as as they are now, generally, if if uh, yeah, so I, I I think my youth and my adult experience. Later, bro. bro. Nice to meet you, bro. Yeah, yeah. For those Thank listening, you. we've just had Ben Darth taking a couple shots of us while we sit here in Cordial. Yeah, Jay <laughs> wants ben. to make sure his face is hidden by the <laughs> I might hassle, good. I might hassle good, one just for one shot later, bro, just to pinch one, just to use to share with people. Cool. Awesome, Ciao, bro. bro. Take care, yeah, yeah. brother. Yeah, 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 man. So, um, I don't know. I per- Personally, I, those sort, sorts of things have never, they haven't been a struggle. This has just been normal. It's been yeah. life. But you have an internal tikanga that you just stick to. Yeah, you yeah, hold to. Because yeah. you're, 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 you are more interested in, or you're mindful that wairua tanga is a part of you, and so you allow that balance to happen, you know? Did you ever um, mm. battle with that stuff when you were younger? Like, because obviously, you know, I know when you're older, it didn't seem to shake you at all, but when you were like kind of that 15, 16, and nah. when your mates are starting to get into things like drinking nah. and partying, nah, you were always nah, never did. from the get-go. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know why. It just wasn't a thing for me. I just, I mean, like I said, at the start, I was raised in the church, so yeah. I've had some pretty strong moral compasses built in, and you know, I, I you know, I knew, you know, to to my parents, drinking was a no no. I mean, you know, my dad was a, well, both mum and dad were party people, you know, but the moment dad made the decision to become a follower of Jesus, for him, smoking and alcohol instantly left. And he's never touched it since, you know. But that wasn't a he didn't he didn't force that as a rule onto his family. That's just what it was for him. And so I, no, it's I, it's, it's never been a struggle nor a nor a, a, a temptation really. Yeah, and yeah. not even like say you never had friends and stuff growing up that that ran that lane, and then it was kind of a mission to hang out with them more socially, or you've sort of. Nah. Value systems kind of separated, and you didn't really. Oh, there were probably. Yeah, if I look back, there's probably times when I maybe should have should have left the room, but I didn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, <laughs> or, or 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 whatever it was, but it never was. 
Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, yeah, no, that was never a struggle for me, awesome. really. It just, I was just with my mates, yeah. So, look after your mates. So, tell me about your mum and dad, then, bro, because obviously, yeah. by the sounds of it, they've had a huge impact and influence on. Yeah, yeah, are. for sure, for and sure. So tell me about some of the quirky things, or you know, just, <laughs> oh, just no, some, some of the stories that you. Because it sounds oh, like gosh. from what I'm just from what I'm gathering, yeah, yeah. and this is a, a massive, a very loose and gen, a loose generalization because we've only spoken about this for fifteen yeah, minutes yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. But I gather, like, and this is just from most church leaders and Zai stuff I know. They're really anecdotal. And they're awesome at storytelling. So is, <laughs> is your father like that too, uh, or is he a strong, silent type? Uh, he's a strong silent type. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say he's 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 a strong silent type. He's a heavy reader. He reads a lot. Uh, it's amazing what comes out of his mouth. Oh, far out, you know. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Dad's like that. Mum's mum's the carer. We obviously, when you become a church minister, there's not a lot of cash in church work. Mm. So mum, uh, at least yeah, through all of my teenage years, mum did the heavy lifting as far as you know going to work. Yeah. To bring in the money, because uh, most of Dad's stuff was voluntary, you know, uh, um, so it was voluntary slash part time job, you know. So uh, Dad was a dry cleaner by trade. Mum just facilitated all, all types of jobs. She's a she's an exceptional people person, so I get my people person from, totally from my mum. Cool. Mum's Parker from she's got Scottish, English, French. Uh, connection. Uh, dad's uh, Tiatiawa, Irish, Scottish. Uh, was he Scottish? Irish. Uh, and there's a smidgen of Portuguese in there as well. Uh, one of mum's Fanonga, uh, who came here from England, had a daughter who married the first Chinese immigrant into Aotearoa. Wow. You know, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, yeah. But no, mum, mum uh, is super outgoing. Um, just will make a friend instantly. Uh, my daughter has got that. My eldest daughter has got that same gifting. Awesome. <laughs> Whereas my uh, eldest and my youngest daughter are both reserved, like their mum and my father. Yeah. So um, yeah, but uh, no, nah, mum and dad are pretty awesome people. Yeah. And so, what what are some lessons you think? Some big teachings you've taken from them growing up? Oh, it's funny. I was I saw something. Uh, this morning, wherever it was, maybe on a Time article, and I thought, oh, my dad used to say that, and that was, uh, you know, before you can change, you need to be challenged, and uh, yeah, it's just something that my dad's always stuck at. I think what my dad, you know, I look at my dad, and BMXing was a big part of my youth, my child childhood, and oh. he would be driving us all over the North Island you know, central district area at least, you know, every weekend um, on, well, whether it was rugby, BMXing, one season I gave soccer a go, Dad would be taking me and my brother, you know, uh, everywhere doing our sport happily, you know, get, getting up, you know, working working his full week and doing it. Um, uh, Mum... Yes, yeah, so 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 dad was um I think I learned from my father um actually my, I, I think my father and my mother sacrificial love like they they worked hard to give us kids incredible opportunities incredible opportunities yeah 
So I, I, I look at my life now and I go far out. I've certainly been blessed as far as work ethic goes, as far as, um, you know, it's funny, I, I think about now that I'm a parent and I go, man, I don't feel half as <laughs> half as awesome as what my parents were towards me, you know? <laughs> you, you, know? Parent, you know? You know, you, you never feel like you're doing Yeah, when I, when I think, yeah, man, parenting's the hardest thing I've ever done. But uh, I always thought I was awesome until I had kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They remind you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, man, so my, my parents have taught me hard work. My parents have taught me, you know, I mean, dude, we'd never go out for dinner, you know. There was always a packed lunch on a road trip somewhere, you know. Uh, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff, which would have been mum getting up early and baking and preparing and all that sort of stuff, or whatever it was, just incredible people. Yeah. Mean, bro. So let's talk about, you mentioned yeah. before how, like, you, you didn't grow up in a te ao Māori. But it sounds like you're quite immersed in that sort of scene now, or there's been an introduction at least. Has that changed? Yeah, bro. I would say there's an immersing. Yeah. So my my aspiration is to go. Yeah, it's just to be more present as as more. So you know, I you know, as we've talked about, I grew up in the church. Christianity became my thing. I then got into ministry work myself, um, and then and you know got got married, started having kids. My wife and I, Erin, we started running a summer gathering in 2006 for young adults. Uh, we wanted to create a bit of a sacred space for people to have some pretty solid teaching, some, uh, I guess, might, what might, you know, to put it in Māori terms, some karakia happening in the summertime, just over a, a two-week period. Okay. And then and go fishing and surfing and do all that sort of stuff. So actually, a, a very intensive way to start your year with a bit of spiritual focus. We ran this gathering in two thousand six, and it was we, we we coined it on. Uh, we were really at that time looking at church history, because uh, I had you know I just learned all these stories about people who weren't saying the scriptures and what happened with the work of Christianity with incredible people you know like. Let's say William and Catherine Booth started the Salvation Army. The you know movements, that, social movements that happened that started the Red Cross, the RSPCA, all these incredible what we call humanitarian movements, whatever. Right now, yep. anyway, we ran that 2006, 2007. When it came to running in 2008, I heard this little voice inside of me say, which I would call the voice of Tiatua, the voice of God. Uh, when you run it in 2008, studying New Zealand church history. So I'd been, because I, I had been a part of running something that was just what I was taught. Now, when I was taught church history, essentially I was taught Western church history. Yep. This time in 2008, this idea of came into my mind, studying New Zealand church history. And the, I, I, I remember I was on a hill on Great Barrier Island. I heard this voice on the inside of me. And I stood on that hill and I thought, hey, why have I never Done that bothered to learn about New Zealand church history before? I've been raised in this institution. What's more, it makes some pretty big claims, um, both about <laughs> life and about 
nationhood or whatever makes some pretty big claims. Uh, and why do I? Therefore, why do I not know that story in a land that I'm deeply passionate about my country? So I did, and because you know, so I was raised in the church all my life, and I'd never heard anyone talk about any of that before. Mm. Uh, so I ended up. I had to ask a couple of people, man, who do you know that talks about this stuff? So I tracked a couple of people down, and January 2008, uh, I had a Parkour fella come, and he told us a whole bunch of stories. He, you know, t- talked about, of course, some of the missionaries, uh, actually, you know, that were awesome, some of the missionaries that were terrible. Yeah. He talked about uh, Ratana, he touched on Tōu and Tawiti and Bariaka. Um, uh, and but basically unpacked all of these phenomenal stories that are in this in this land, and I'm going, what the heck? How do I not know any of this stuff? And 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 what happened on that same week was my wife had a dream, and in that dream she saw a really large chicken. The chicken was three stories tall. And it was so big that even in her dream, she laughed. She's like, oh, my God, that's a big chicken. And then she heard the word huia and woke up. Uh, now, this was an afternoon nap because she's pregnant with our second child. And I, I was, I, at that time, I was out surfing. I'd just come back from my surfing. And she said, look, I just had this dream. And I saw this massive chicken. I heard this word huia. And now she's from the States. She's My wife's American. And she goes, what's, what's huia? You know, and I go, well, it's a bird. You know, it's another, it's another, it's another it's such But I mean, we sat on we sat on that dream for a year because we at the time we were like, well, what the heck does that all mean? Mm. Uh, and very simply, you know, what came to us was, well, the chicken is an imported bird. It's not from here. Okay. But it's become unusually oversized. So this, in her dream, it was standing in front of a pahutakawa tree. It's bigger than the pahutakawa tree. You know, in other words, that which is not from Aotearoa has come into Aotearoa, and it's grown unusually oversized. Huia, and a bird, a bird indigenous to Aotearoa, mm. is now extinct, unseen and unheard. And anyway, from that dream, we coined this phrase, huia, come home. In other words, our, it's, our country needs to learn from that which is indigenous and unique to the space. And the first layer of interpretation comes to us through te ao Māori. So we need... So what happened for me in 2008 was I heard... Christian story in New Zealand for the first time a story that motivated me and I was going far out that's amazing and got my blood boiling mm. in anger I was going to ask about your emotions I, I, I that, just yeah I, I was I was both I was both elated and just pissed off like to go how how did the majority of what the church is doing not know any of this stuff yet they they slash we are it's just on repeat but we don't know it's on repeat. We don't know there's a problem on repeat. So that happened, and then and that was I would call that another aha moment in my life where shoot, I just got something, a moment of clarity happened to me again that I've got to know this. 
coupled with this dream that I knew Flip. What does the hui look like? So at that time, I was working for a a, a Christian, uh, what you might call a Christian missions organization that had start was started in America. Oh, okay. And I was like, shoot, this ain't the hui. I gotta leave. <laughs> yeah, that's a chat. Yeah, yeah, that's a chicken. You know, like so. So since two thousand and eight, what has happened is this process of me waking up to the chicken in my life. It's not that chicken was wrong. It just shouldn't be three stories tall. And how was is where is the hui flying again in my in my life? So, so my framework for everything has been, is what I'm about to do now, is this giving credence to the huia, to the indigenous part of Aotearoa, or is it a promotion, uh, is it a promotion of chicken ways of life, which, which, which represents Western philosophy, Western thought, Western ways of doing things, and the huia represents Mātauranga Māori way of doing things, you know, so... Uh, now, to our listeners, you go well, bloody hell, bro! You're a, you're working for the Anglican Church, you know, St. Mary, Mary's. What and the this, heck are you doing? Anyway. Big, I mean, I told you this is a big yeah, reason yeah. Why I wanted to chat with you because, yeah. like, I get hit up about it, like I'm supposed to know, but I don't know. <laughs> so then I'm like, well, let's put it up to some people there too, and we'll be catching up with Dan at some point too, and having a quarter with him about stuff. Yeah, that perspective is important. Um, so, yeah, I mean, carry on, bro. You were about to head into kind of that reconciliation of. Well, People heading you up. I, I don't know if reconciliation is yeah. the word, but that's just what I'm calling it. Well, look, look, reconciliation for 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 me is, you know, I would that sums up my life. That's what I'm about. I know, I know that. I was born in 1975. You know, the year the Waitangi Act was made. I, I, you know, in other words, credence was come right in the middle of the Māori Renaissance. So I know that the spirit of reconciliation that is in me and on me. Is a direct result of the cry of our of my parents' generation in the seventies, you know. So reconciliations, I've I know that's what my life's about. I'm I am a bridge. That's who I am. I am Māori. I am Pākehā, Uh and that's what I've. That's who I am as a person, and that's who I'm called to be and do. So, mate, this this job with um, Tahi Mehanare um, and the Anglican Church. It's very, very interesting because when the idea first came to me to come and be a co-leader at St. Mary's, I was like, what? WTF? <laughs> you know? Just and was that in part relative right, to what you talked about before, about the redneckedness of this place? Or what, yeah, or yeah. Well, uh, yes, and also the fact that, you know, uh, um, the times I've come down for Puanga or for the Ra at Pariaka uh, and different Hui that I was a part of with our church, we'd run some hui at Owai for about six years in a row, so I was coming down here quite a lot, you, you know, and you're learning about the history, you know, you know what this place represents. Uh, uh, this place, you know, re, you know, if there's a top shelf problem, <laughs> you know, if the... If the uh, uh, it would St Mary's almost stands, you know, 
next to the bottle called the corona, <laughs> you know, so called the government, you know. Because there's going to be some people listening who don't live in Taranaki, and I've even got like people that listen in like, like, I've got people listening in Colombia. And oh, like that. oh. Can, you, can you break down that a little bit? Like, yeah, so, so, locally, yeah, cool, mean, yeah, cool, but, boy, yeah. So, um, uh, kia ora, Colombia. Uh, um, so, St. Mary's is the oldest stone church in New Zealand. Uh, it started in 1842, but the church itself was built in 1846. 1846. Um, uh, it was built um, for its first um, 14 years, had a relatively good relationship with Tangata Whenua, with our people here. Uh, and we know that by looking at some of the, say, the marriage regist- registers, the 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 the, uh, the the baptism registers. There's a lot of Maori on those on those lists in those first years, and then in 1860, war broke out um, between the British government, colonial soldiers, and our people, Te Atiawa. Uh But before that happened. The guy who started the church as the first Anglican leader in New Zealand was also the chaplain to the British colonial forces. And so because he started this church, he allowed the British colonial forces to set up camp at, at our church. So on, this, uh, you know, uh, so on the top of the hill here of Pukaka, you know, the... The leader of the Anglican Church said to the military, "Hey, yeah, you can set up your military camp here," which then led to that military camp and going and shooting our people. Mm. Uh, so this place became synonymous with the colonial forces who supported the colonial perspective of um, land acquisition, you know, and. Um, Many, many clergy, Pākehā and Māori combined, have fought that, you know, well, not fought that history, but, you know, done their attempt to change that. And so I stand, personally, I am here to pick the fruit of which both, um, you know, Koro Uncle Tiki Raumati has laid and also Tāpaura, Sir Paul Reeves, has laid here at this space as well. So the, the reconciliation that's happening here now is because of the fruit that these previous... Ministers and our iwi have done with many tapu as well. So yeah, that's a bit about what this place has done. But it is all that to say that's a you know that's a hundred and it's a hundred and seventy five years of history to to change. Yeah, you know to to have to heal, and uh, and so when I. I was a little bit, why am I taking this job? You know, it's like, what? Okay, it came to me, something about it rang true, but I was like, uh, this is not just a giant chicken, but it's a giant chicken pen. Yeah. You know, like, like, like there's, uh, like, where is the huia here? Um, I had, you know, so I, I had worked in organisations that were predominantly Pākehā-based, and then I started, I was a part of starting up a Māori Christian trust with some Māori friends, so I had two years of working for, a, at least for a Māori Christian trust that was doing some pretty awesome work, 
you know, uh, one of those things we found um, funding for Kahao and Rob Ruha to do their first album, you know, so that type of work. We're like, yeah, okay, we were loving all this, doing some awesome stuff. So I, since, I essentially left, I was either stick around, keep doing that, or come and join the Anglican Church. <laughs> The only connection here was that it was here in Taranaki, and I always knew I had to shift here. So I went to Warehoka, went to Warehoka Wano, I went to Puna Wano Bryant, and I went to Rangi Kippa. Three people who I trust, and I asked. Three people who don't F around. Exactly, and I asked all three of them, guys, this role has been offered to me. Should I take this role or should I not touch it with a ten foot pole? Because my instinct was to go bugger that. I don't want to. You know, I know what this is places problem for our people. Should I take this role or should I not? And all three of them said, "When can you start?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh damn it!" Tell me, can you tell me about? Because <laughs> I'm like, interested in that. Can you tell me about what sort of things that they highlighted or illustrated as to why you should? Uh yep. Uh 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 couple of things uh, if if our people don't do it who's going to uh, and our people when I mean say our people I say I mean te Atiawa, mm. you know as mana whenua need to work this out from the inside and when I say work this out this being reconciliation and you know the one of the most predominant sites in downtown New Plymouth as far as Pukaka goes the hill, uh, you know, of, you know, what does it look like for Ngāti Tewiti to, to experience mana whenua tanga again on Pukaka, you know. So they, those are questions that we are trying to begin to work out and to, 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 to explore. So those guys, were, well, one, they... I know they wanted Aaron and I here. You know, they were like, "Yes, come home, yeah, come yeah, and yeah. come and reconnect." Uh, two, uh, all, all, all three of them understand that if you if you truly if if there's an understanding of the purity of the Christian message, that's total. There's compatibility with Te Māori. Which means that if there's any way, if there's any space that could reconcile, surely, surely the church, uh, modelled after the way of Christ, who laid down his life for his friends and for his neighbours, surely the church could be that vessel. Could be a vessel to reconcile. If we want to see, and and you know, I, I mean, I, I came here, and I must admit, I I've, I struggled um, here. I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? This is so Parker, um, uh, and I'm like, man, flip. Should I should I check out? But I go, you know, I I do have a deep belief that the vision of Tatiriti or Waitangi is the relationship of Kawanatanga and Tinorangatutanga. Yep. So I go, if 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 in my life I want to see that happen on a crown level, I'm on a crown and iwi level, then here's an acre, here's one block to try and make that happen now with the relationship between iwi and the Hahi, the Hahi Meanari. 
So I, yeah. So I, I think their 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 aspiration, their understanding that there's an incentive and there's a reason for this. Um, uh, to to potential to there's potential to see change. It's traumatic. It's not easy. I'm I don't find it easy. But in saying that, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as as much as I go, okay. Oh, look. I mean, my day one of my job was the day I met you. Yeah. You know, we're in the council there as Nanaya. Minister Nanai Mahuta makes the announcement about the Māori wards. Well, I was like, Fuck, that's good day one. But I meet someone there. I meet one of, um, you know, you know, probably one of my whanaunga. Uh, you know, she introduces herself. I say, hi, I'm, you know, Jay Ruka. I'm the new, you know, co-dean at St Mary's Church. And she just turns around and walks away. Because she know what she, yeah. you know, she just know what this place has meant and what its history means. Yeah. But that, but that feeling and that sentiment, yeah, that's that's worth fighting for to make sure that this space becomes a space that deals with its crap, that deals with its history and becomes a a place that practices reconciliation, which is a relationship, not a, not a destination. So. Um, yeah, and that's it's interesting. It's, yeah, we're that's, that's a very understated way. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Throw it in a taste of water. Yeah, with um, I'm trying to think how to put this without sounding like I'm trying to pit people against each other. The idea, yeah, let's call it an idea because then that takes away from it being people. The idea. What what are your thoughts around the idea that um, you can't? Because you spoke about that um, having like faith and also tiroranga tiratanga. Because there's some people, or there's an idea out there that you can't have tiroranga tiratanga if you adhere to a Western faith based sort of system. What are your thoughts? Oh, really? Yes, I mean some 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 people might. I mean, here's here's. Oh gosh, oh, yeah, cool question, bro. Once again, it's your thoughts. Yeah, whether yeah whether whether I answer the question exactly or not, forgive me, but come back to it if I don't. Mm-hmm. But here's where I'll start. Uh, so the epiphany that happened for me in two thousand and eight obviously lent me just took me into three years of my own own private study, my own. Time going up to Waitangi, my own time of looking at documents, trying to trying to get as much history as I could. Um, where where I have landed, um, you know, I, um, so if we take, if we say in Aotearoa right now, Tino Rangatira Tanga, instantly in our mind for all New Zealanders is a flag. Uh, most. You know, all of us in Te Ao Māori, you know, go cheer, love this, awesome, yeah. you know. Um, uh, most Pākehā will probably go, oof, you know, they'll probably freak out about it. So if we take, so the idea for our rights for autonomy and sovereignty comes from Article 2 of Te Tiriti, right? In, in the, uh, of Te Tiriti or Waitangi. Mm-hmm. So now... We had that before that document. 
we had autonomy, we had sovereign sovereignty, we had haputanga. So all of the so essentially what Tatiti was saying was just stating what we already had. Mm-hmm. But from that moment it was put down, those words tinoranga tiratanga have become the the catchphrase that describes those things. our pursuit for, pursuit for sovereignty, uh, for autonomy and that sort of thing. But those terms, tino ranga tiratanga, uh, in 1840 when our 500 rangatira signed that document around the motu, when they saw those words and they read those words before they signed it, the rangatira and put their X or their mark down, at that time in the history of Te Ao Māori, when they saw those words, they also saw the Bible. They saw the Paipera Tapu. Because the only time they had read the word rangatiratanga or tino rangatiratanga before was in the Paipera Tapu. And when they read it in the Paipera Tapu, they read the te rangatiratanga o te atua, which was the line for the kingdom of God. So all through Jesus' teaching, particularly in the book of Matthew, he talks about the kingdom of God is like. Te rangatiratanga o te atua is like this, a small mustard seed or whatever that grows into the large tree in the garden, whatever it was in those times. So the understanding around tino rangatiratanga in the Māori mind around 1840 was very, very much related to the scriptures, which is why Tatiriti is still called a covenant because that's what the scriptures were. They were covenants between God and the Hebrew people. right? So that document in 1840, its motivation, its whakaaro and its understanding has a place in the Christian story because the Christian story had an influencing mechanism around it in the whakaaro and the way that it was thought and the way it was presented. This is blowing my mind, bro, because like, it's like... You're piecing together parts of things that I had known and considered, but I didn't actually see how they all lined up. Right, right. <laughs> so what that means is that from a Christian perspective in Aotearoa right now, Christians should be, next to Māori, the biggest supporters of Tino Rangatiratanga. Mm. We should be. We should be the ones, because there is a reason why... Henry Williams used that word, tino rangatiratanga. He put that word in there, yep. right? And he put the words kawanatanga in Article in Article 1. We allow the Queen to have kawanatanga. Article 2, we retain our tino rangatiratanga, our chieftainship over our lands, fishes, forests, whatever it is, right? So, so there is an, and there is actually a Christian imperative mm. to be the biggest supporters of tino rangatiratanga according to the relationship of Tatiriti or Waitangi. Now, I am I, I subscribe to um, Dr. Roger Marker from Ngāti Kahununu who says that, who defines tino rangatiratanga as tino rangatiratanga is the right for, you know, is the right for Māori sovereignty, autonomy, governance, self-determination, and then he ends the sentence with in partnership with the Crown. Because mm. that's what Te Tiriti is. 
It's a partnership document. So I think, and you know, you know, forgive me if this is offensive to people's ears, but I think there's a problem amongst our own people who think tinoranga tiratanga is the right for us to have self-determination and go and do whatever we want, whenever for ourselves, whenever we want, but it's actually not. The tinoranga tiratanga we hold is the right to make decisions uh, for our, ourselves according to our own tikanga and ture, uh, but that tikanga is a tikanga that has to be in conversation with the Pākehā structure, and the Pākehā structure is the crown. So what Tatiriti does is that it actually, and because this is what our tūpuna who signed it wanted, they actually wanted us in our chieftainship to have a relationship with the Queenie. You know, so... Uh, so <laughs> this is flowing my mind, So bro. I... So essentially, I hold very, very strongly to that. So I would say, to, to, to me, the notion that you can't be Māori and you can't be Christian, or you can't have rangatiratanga and hold to the Christian, rangatiratanga and hold to the Christian faith, mm. um, I think that's also a Western dualistic understanding. Uh, good I, I, good good I, I, I completely understand it on a historical level. Yeah, where it comes from. Completely right? understand. The understand. Of, of the thought and, and that, yeah, and yeah. that perspective. And that, I, yeah. I, I call myself a Christian, but the majority of what we would see with our eyes or hear with our ears as Christian, I despise. I can't stand. Say that again. Okay. I call myself a Christian, yeah. but what we would mostly see with our eyes to think, okay, I look at, I look at that stone block church out there. Okay. That's a Christian space. Here with my ears, certain rhetoric on the television or in, or, or, or in the media, that's a Christian thought. I would say, no, yeah. that's not Christian. That's Western philosophy married to an indigenous Christian story. Yeah. Uh, and so... With, I see that a lot too, bro. Which like, right. is, like, which I feel weird saying as someone who doesn't really consider yeah, themselves yeah. a Christian. But so, yeah. I grew up, um, you know, in Christian households and stuff like that. So, long story short, I was a state kid for a little while. So, I grew yeah. up in different houses, and some of them were um, Christian people. And I, I thought that all the time. I was like, the way that we ha- like interact in our whanungatanga and our relationship at home is not what the media calls it and what people's assumptions and stuff are. And it always used to really bug me, bug me as a kid and even now as an adult because, you know, people will be like, oh, that's a Christian thought or that's a Christian thought. I was like, nah, not the Christians I know. They don't, yeah, yeah. That's not how they roll. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, to me, this, that's just mind-blowing, bro, because I've always thought, I've the only one who thought that. Right, right. <laughs> so talking to you is doing wonders for me, that's, for my yeah, own sanity. <laughs> that's because we have a living wairuatanga and you can tell in the wairua when something's not right. Yeah. You know, so even though there's blah, 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 language, 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 preaching, 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 whatever it is, you, you just know, even though you can't articulate why you know it, uh, you just so know you something's off. Like when, well, I mean, obviously you can't box it, but that's that's yeah, a lesson, yeah. Of, that's a lesson uh, or I would say it's a, it's a way of no. I would call it it's a way of knowing. Okay. You know, where you can let your intellect lead, and it needs to at a certain time because yeah. I, I I want I want a scientist to use their intellect to create a vaccine. Yeah. You, you know, uh, 
Um, but there's but what you get in the spirit is also a way of knowing uh, that uh, um, that I think like our like our, our people have it in truckloads. Our people live it in truckloads. They just know we've got the biggest. You know, we've got this biggest internal bullshit meters into us because yeah, yeah. we can sense when things just, nah, that's not right. Nah, that's not right. You might not be able to articulate why, but so, which is why we'll just sit and contemplate a for yeah, <laughs> on, yeah. on that thought, what's going on here, you know? So, and I I think, you know, again, I relate it to the hooey and the chicken. The, ch- the, the, the the chicken, you know, Western ways has has all become about matter and materialism. What what is matter is what real. This is why science is the leading authority structure in our world, because you can see matter, you can measure matter, you can control it. Why do I? You can't see it, you can't feel it, you can touch it, even though it permeates those real things. It's such a battle we have all the time with, yeah, yeah. with my master's course in and in amongst us. Right, group right where, bro. You know, there's like the the metrics versus, you know, the yes. quantitative, qualitative. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and, and it's Puraco. a, yeah. And it's a thing that you can only learn by, uh, uh, you know, I, you know, I use the language, say, I heard Te Atua, I heard the voice of God. I don't literally hear something. Yeah, yeah. I just know something here. I just, I, it was probably more like here. I got this feeling in my gut, pointing to my stomach right now, that <laughs> there's something here that either says yes or no, or do this, don't do that, go here, do this. And as a young person, as if I go back to that stake analogy of a tree with my wairua tanga, I've had to put it into practice. You know, so I do something based on my intuition, my gut, my um, uh, my wairuatanga and you know and I go oh wow I'm right I've been you know I was right on that one but likewise I was or, or I, I I learn where I was wrong but I learn okay where was I wrong you know all this sort of stuff yep. so you know as I get older I'm supposed to be getting sharper in my intuition and in my wairuatanga and beginning to understand and beginning to perceive of what's happening what's going on so our people are. We've got that in droves, and that's why our Pākehā whanonga, our Tauiwi whanonga, need us, mm. you know, and that uh, uh, because it's 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 an element in our life of what it means to be from Aotearoa that needs to have leadership and in, in, in for the rest of our lives, you know, in the coming generations, this country needs how to needs to learn how to lead again, in. In, in the wairua, you know, which is essentially connecting spirit to land, essentially. It's what it's yeah. connecting spirit. It's tapping into the, the, the innate knowledge that we're, it's all yeah. one thing, right? There's not like people and then land and then whatever. It's all one... Whanaungatanga. Yeah. Whanaungatanga, yeah. One system. Well, yeah, no, yeah. Even that's not the right Yeah, word. no, I know, I know what you're saying, brother. Yeah, Because yeah. yeah. I, I, part of me goes, no, it's not that. Yeah, but yeah. I get the vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it, what, what the oneness is is whanaungatanga. Like we are siblings mm. of creation. You know, uh, it yeah, is, we are, the, we are the taina. But the taina has been given a responsibility to take care of our tuakana. 
you know, or, uh, uh, of a, in, a, in a certain way. Now, all of this way of thought is in these things called the scriptures, but for a thousand years, they've never been read through that lens. Yeah. They've been read through the Western lens mm. of empiricism, of measurement, of, you know, one plus one equals two or whatever, where they, the, 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 the scriptures, which are the sacred whakapapa, the sacred text of both, you know, the, the Jews and Christians, uh, but those holy scriptures, the Bible, to Piper Tapu, uh, it's an indigenous book. It's written by indigenous people, two indigenous peoples. Uh, that's actually so funny you uh, say that. Right? That's actually what it is. <laughs> using using indigenous mythological narratives, using indigenous poetry, Pudako. using Pudako to tell stories of what it's like if and when the creator steps into these Pudako. So, so this is what, but it's but it's never been read through that through that lens. Hasn't been presented to the world through that lens. We're living in the day now, where that indigenous mindset needs to be presented. I mean, not just to the scriptures; it needs to be presented to politics, yeah. right? It needs to be presented to education. It needs to be presented to the health system. That way of thinking, which has a primacy in the spirit, is a primacy in the wider. As essential, you know, and this is where, I, yeah, anyway, no, I'm going to digress. Forget that, anyway. But does it, yeah, does, is it, you know, that makes yeah, sense, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, hard out, like, because I'm having conversations, particularly with my Pakia circles, about like, I don't really call it envy, but there's just a lot of conversations at the moment where they, and it's similar to what you're saying, like, they're telling me, so this is my, my Pakia circles telling me, you guys just see things that we don't, yeah, and that's. And that's, that's right. what you're speaking to. And that's our strength. And that's supposed to be the strength of Aotearoa, mm. is that we see things a globalised world doesn't see. We see the indigenous people of the United States of America. Even though all this Black Lives Matter stuff is awesome yep. and necessary, we still go, hey, guys, how about the Cherokee? Yeah, yeah, what about the <laughs> you, know, yeah, yeah, you, know, you know, what about the Iroquois? You know, what about all these nations that... Uh, you're still not touching. So, yes, we want to see that justice happen, but even you guys, African-Americans, you've got to go down an entirely new level as well, you know, to the indigenous people of the land. We see these things, you know, so I think that's why the Māori, the Māori mind, the Māori narco is deeply necessary for our planet today. It actually is. And not just for... It's not just for our hapu and iwi here at home. It is for everyone. Mm. They need us. Yeah. Globally, like they globally, don't know. Right? Like globally. I, yeah. 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 Because yeah, yeah. even like, it's funny, like, I'll be sitting with friends, you know, you've got, you've got your different um, friends who have different interests and hobbies and passions and, and strengths. So, you know, like I've got my, you know, business-minded crew and then I've got my artsy crew. Yeah. We're all the same fun. We will actually hang out together, but it's just interesting, like, my... Um, the way that my business mates put it is Māori is Aotearoa's best unique business proposition. It is, bro. <laughs> and then, it and is. then the artist will say, It is. Like, you guys see things and talk about it's in your stories that 
even me as an artist, I don't see, and it enables you to communicate that yep. feeling. So it's funny that all these different zones all point to, you know, exactly yeah. what you're speaking to, yeah, and yeah. that the importance of the difference that we can make. See, one mindset says, "Why learn to learn Maori?" It is not the language of economics, and you know, of what the economic market around the world is going to be. Uh, and that's been how the colonialists have viewed te reo. But I then you don't go, even think they view it that way. I think that's the ruse, right? To shut right, it down, right? I think they know right. the value. They just don't want. Well, to. Uh, the, you know, to me, the value is we we need ways of thinking that don't aren't birthed in the Western mind, and only you know because if it's the Western world that has made all of the economic problems, then the solution is not going to come from yeah. those places because they don't have the capacity. The paradigm shift is going to come from outside the paradigm. Yep. So that's who we are as Māori. We are called, we, we are that paradigm shift for the entire nation to speak to the globe. I want to talk about, because you just mentioned a couple of times science, and a lot of people put spirituality and science at opposite ends of the scale and you know, I, 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 to be honest, personally, I see it more as like a Venn diagram situation where there's like might be some extremes, but then yeah, there's quite yeah, a bit yeah. cross section yeah. in the middle where the two cross over. What are your, do you have any color around that sort of thing or any suggestions to make in terms of, I'll say versus, even though that's, I, let's just say the relationship between science and spirituality, because I think they're just, I think they're very similar more than what people reckon, but it seems like people see them, well, very generally speaking, yeah. seeing them as, um, I, I I had you know I had uh, had a coffee a couple of years ago with a guy in Auckland who was at the time John Key's head physicist, so head scientist. So you know he's a trained scientist. He'd come back from you know, he, and he'd just come back from CERN in um, Switzerland, where the had hadron particle. Particle yeah. accelerator collider, yeah, 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 big circle thing. So <laughs> he, he he had just the come, yeah, yeah, he had just come back from that. And this guy was he he himself was a Christian, and he said, "Look, look, he wasn't expecting this, but in where he went on his trip at CERN, and I'm pretty sure he went to some other places in England as well. Um, he was amazed to see that in, in a number of Departments, the scientific, you know, leading edge departments, the number of Christians that he met there, and he said, who are all just giddy little kids, excited about the wonders of creation. You know, you know, who are just like far out, like the the universe is amazing. <laughs> you know, so to me, science is a fantastic tool in the hand of humanity. It's just the discovery of our material world and the way that it works is amazing. But just because we did dis discover the way it works through atoms doesn't mean we don't know the why it works because the why it works might come to us through Purako. Yeah, you know, it comes to us through all of the 
for a number of ancient narratives, including, I would say, theological understanding of the scriptures, we know some of the reasons about why the world works and the purpose of what it is for, even though we don't necessarily know how it works, mm. because we know how to read the spirit, know how to read the wider of things. But science, yes, science and faith is totally compatible. Science becomes dangerous when it becomes um, uh, well, hang on. You can't actually compare science and faith because science is also a faith, right? Okay. Science is a faith. And part of the problem is is when you become, when the nature of, you know, um, the scientific method and hypothesis around ideas become with, you know, so what am I trying to say? I was taught in my book, was it fifth form biology, science, and I, I, my science is the art of observation. Yep. What you observe. So the point is to you're supposed to observe things actually happening. Mm. You know, the problem is is that we can't actually observe Everything. what happened at evolution. No one has ever observed one species changing to another. No one's ever observed the Big Bang. So it's a theory. But when I read in the book of Genesis and, you know, God created the heavens and the earth and then he said, let there be light, oh, I just read the Big Bang as well, you know. So th it's just co to it's totally compatible. Only and Papa. Yeah, when I read Only and Papa and that separation, Big Bang, I go... Though they're all they're all compatible compatible stories, I think you know you know history has a thousand years. Western history has a thousand years of the church running the society, being a big part, which means that we have a history of let's not ever do that again. <laughs> That's not good. That's unhealthy. Mm. We 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 haven't had the same amount of time of seeing the scientific world run the world. The scientific thought now runs; it's the authority structure, right? So yeah, for the yeah. for the Western world, it used to be the church. Yeah, yeah. Church used to be the authority structure yeah. until Christians began to go. Oh, sure, I think there's a universe out there that's got some, you know. So the scientific revolution came out of the Christian movement. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, who read the scriptures and understood the glory of the created order, and the, the essentially the, the, the yeah the glory of creation. So let's explore over over the course of four hundred years. Scientists forget their theological roots, and just we just become with what's in front of us, and so we just start to observe what we observe. So now the authority structure is what can be observed, what can be made. What is made is technological advances. Those technological advances are what is going to save the world. That's a religion. That's a religious idea. So for the West, science is the religion. Technology is the saviour. Yeah. And technology is applying your scientific method, the belief that if we just do this, this will be made better. 
But what we do know is that, yeah, okay, you know, like this is amazing. Look at the machines we're talking into right now. You know, it's, but if you void that technology from Tikar, you if you void that technology from any type of ethic value system, yeah. value system and the Western world has said, hey, values are not central to us. Values aren't, you because your values and your faith, they stay over there. The real, this is the real world of finance and, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, the what, what you can really, really taste and touch and feel, that's the real the world. You can, you, the, a value is, you can, you can actually remove value or apply it, but it's a choice, but it's secondary. That, that's not the Māori way. The, yeah. the, 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 that's not non-Western people's ways either you know so it's something that it's and that's the assumption that's beyond the western world which is deeply needed to save the world and i'll use that very religious term you know <laughs> uh you know because uh yes yes sorry where i've gone no, on, no, no, on no, that bro perfect. sorry where i've gone perfect. on that but um perfect. that's just some of some of my fakaro around science and faith they are totally compatible Compatible, but like any thought system or philosophy, if it becomes the only thing, it becomes dangerous eventually. You know, once it becomes assumed, then when it's assumed as the default and forgets about itself, it will eventually go rogue. You know, it'll eventually go rogue. Christianity went rogue, man. Yeah. And what and and what what is happening now is the tearing away. Of the root of Christianity in Western Empire. Uh, That's what's happening right now. Okay. And to have that tearing away happen means you, you know, if I'm a Westerner and I'm a Western Christian and I'm trying to tear out the empire in me, which value system am I going to attach to? Because I've got to be a part of something. I'm not just floating out there in gravity, it's yeah. got to be grounded. So what's the value system that is being grounded in our nation right now in a very, very meaningful way? It's the Māori world. The Māori world is providing a grounding to a spiritual way of being, to a management of physical structures, of physical things from the taiao, you know, to our water, to the way that we perceive the creative world. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's actually, that's, yeah, that's another thought. So, so even the scientific world needs to be grounded in Western science needs to be grounded and partnered with Maturanga Māori as well. They just touched on at the end there, like because uh, we spoke about when, you know the you were you were born and kind of a renaissance of Te Ao Māori happening then. Do you think we're in another one right now? I think we're in the fruit of that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think we are experiencing the freedom of what they fought for. So, which does, you're right though, it does feel like a renaissance. I think what what might be a renaissance that's a little bit different, but this is a direct result, is that Pākehā are in a renaissance towards Te Māori right now. Okay, yeah. 
we're just like, well, yeah, this is what we've been telling you for like like 200 years. This is what I've been telling you for 200 years. We know that. Um, but for many parts of Pākehā... So I just got to yeah. myself. So many conversations of people talking to me and I just want to go... Ooh. <laughs> Exactly, bro. Right so there, there is a there is a renaissance happening in the in the Maori world to go. Oh, right, we're treaty partners, which means we have to learn from our partner here. Uh, that's happening on a scale in the history of New Zealand that hasn't happened before. Any ideas as to why you think they might be? Going yeah, because nineteen seventies they stood up and said enough is enough. Um, we, we're changing this. No, not one more acre. Uh, uh, we're taking this back. Don't you dare mock our haka again uh, uh, with you know your stupid Auckland University Club stuff that you know, which is what Honi and stuff started off. Said ah, cop. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, um, Dame Cooper, um, Dame Eva Rickard. You know, um, Sitifai Harawera. These these in Incredible people who stood up at that time. They 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 are the ones who fought for our land, for our real, for the treaty to be honoured, uh, and and as we can see, everyone is beginning to experience it. One of the problems that we've we that I've found out I've had so for for six years now, I've been. I do a lot of treaty education. I haven't done stuff since COVID and shifting here, but uh, a lo- one of the difficulties for government organisations like education, uh, our medical and health providers, um, police, w- w- anything that's connected to state-run run stuff, uh, these organisations have had a lot of treaty credence for a good 25 years now, you know, so they've been taught, okay, you've got to honour the, you know, the treaty, the three Ps, you know, all this sort of stuff. But what has happened is that these Pākehā institutions have been taught them from, how do we say this nicely? Taught the three Ps, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or taught about, have been taught about the treaty from Māori who have been pissed off because they're, rightfully they've been pissed off, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because of, because of the history. But whenever you teach, you've got to know the treaty. Well, whenever you, you whenever you say you've got to get the vaccine, you know what's the initial response? Yeah. Um, you know, if you, I don't want to, you know, piss off. I don't want to know any of that sort of stuff. So, um, like, like, unfortunately, dude, you know, what's <laughs> happened for twenty five years around the treaty education is that many Pakia Crown institutions have been ta- you've you've been taught because you must. And in been saying that you must, they've actually missed the heart of the partnership. So they've been taught, you've got to be a partner, but haven't actually been taught proper, genuine relationship. So what's happening right now in this, say, renaissance right now, is that we're actually waking up to the beautiful wairua that is actually in the Treaty of Waitangi. That's what's happening now as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. 
Well, I want to ask you, this is a bit off tack and perhaps the worst segue of all time by me and my... Uh, I need to go soon because I've got to pick my tomato key. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, okay, easy. This will make a good kind of final summary. Um, I want to talk a little bit about prayer. Oh, yeah. And just, like, the value of it. Why do it? Yeah. I know it's a big question, but I like... So this is like... I guess my perspective, and I, you know, feel free to challenge me on it. But look, I'm a, I'm a real mindfulness kind of dude. I guess you would say because, like, you know, I deal with a lot of heavy yeah. stuff and step into yeah. a lot of arenas, right. challenge things. So I need tools to help me deal with things. And so, like, I meditate, but to me, it's it's a very similar. To yeah. me, it's a similar practice. Um, I've had debates and arguments with Fido members who think they're completely different and not the same at all. Um, but I guess my perspective is that. You know, we're, we're told or, or there's the idea that um, we're made in, in the image of Christ or, or God, whichever, and that when you're praying, you're, you're speaking to them and seeking guidance. So with me, for meditation, I'm looking inwards at myself and exploring questions and guidance. And so if if source, if source I am source and source is me, then that's why I say that they are the same. Right. So for me, right. I'm interested on, like, I guess your perceptions of the value of prayer and why you do it and... and how people could bring it into their lives to help them. Cool. <laughs> this okay. I'll try and give you a short thing. But when you say prayer, prayer, do you also say karakia or because yeah. uh, um, and lay it out, bro? Distinguish differences and yeah. Okay. So define your own terms. You know, I've just joined the Anglican Church, so I'm learning all about that. Here's the Anglican prayer book that I'm holding up my hand. Yeah. When you go here and you look at all the Māori prayer that's in here, you know, this is rightly called inoi, you know, so uh, uh, a, a, a supplication. And a lot of a lot of Māori go karakia Christian and karakia Māori or prayer and Christian and, you know, karakia Māori, they're two different things. Mm. Uh, I would say they're not two different things. They're two different genres. Uh, just as you get poetry or a novel, right? So most karakia is what the Bible calls binding and loosing. So you will go, you will say to this atua, uh, or you will say to this entity, guardian, deity, whatever. You do this. You be here. You do this. You're telling something the way it is. Mm. Uh, that's the. Pr- pr- um, I mean, that might sound a little bit harsh. I don't actually mean it to sound harsh as far as, you know, you're the boss telling thing, whatever. <laughs> but but a lot of karakia is like that. You're actually commanding something to be set in place. Uh, you, you, In other words, you're setting your environment right for your community, yourself, for your whanau, right? That's, and that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, when you read so much of the Māori prayer, that has come to us from the Christian. What you are reading is is in, is the inoi, the requests to your heavenly Father. Mm. Um, now, if you're Maori, you don't walk into your house and say, "Dad, kitchen, beer now!" <laughs> yeah. Right? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like, you know, if you say that to your father, your father, what's yeah, going to happen to you? Coming. You know? Yeah, you know, or you know, you say that to anyone. In other words, you don't talk like that to your to anyone you respect. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and so 
you you talk you talk like that when there's a situation that needs to be moved. Mm. When there is something happening in your life or something happening around you yeah. and you need to actually spiritually push something out of the way, then you do that. Now now the, 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 the Christian scriptures are filled with prayers of that. But in this Christian prayer book, there's none of there's no prayers. So when Christian prayer is presented to Māori, what is presented is just inui, supplication, ask your dad for something. A valid form of prayer that's actually needed because it's also a descriptor of the relationship between you and your papa. You know, that there is a genuine bond here that you talk as you would talk to your beloved and that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a valid form of prayer. Yeah. But if I'm experiencing something that needs to be shifted then I'm going to tell that thing to get out you know get out of the way mate yeah you know because you need to go so the it's way important distinguishment to make like I've never yeah, thought yeah, of it like that I've yeah. known it but I've never and, 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 and that's what major, the majority of our Māori karakia is about locating those things in your environment for the need of understanding that moment and that need and, and, and environment and that is such a powerful vibe that uh, establishes a community really, really in, 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 into a space really, really well. I think, but there are there are different genres of prayer and karakia, as there are different genres of waiata, motia, tia, or, or you know, oriori, um, pao. Um, you have these different ways of presenting yourself in a form of prayer, supplication, karakia. So the the Christian scriptures call it binding and loosing. Karakia, essentially, when I read it, it's just binding and loosing. You're telling something. You're telling something to plant yourself here, or you're telling something to go away. Mm. You know, um, and the Christian understanding of prayer is filled with all that sort of type of stuff. So I think that prayer, for me, it's about knowing that I am praying consistently. As I'm surfing, as I'm putting my hand in the moana, paddling, I'm turning that into an immersive prayer. Uh, uh, or I, there might be times for me, I might get on my knees and go, "Shit, God, I need help." <laughs> you know, I'm just really, really struggling right now. You know, and that that happens f- for me. You know, that's a form of prayer. Yeah. Just as it is where I'm saying to some sort of wairu or kino that's struggling over someone, off you go, mate. Piss off. Yeah. You know, you're not welcome in this person. You know, and so I drive it out. You know, and I you drive it out. And the authority for me as a follower of Ihu, according to the way of the Creator. So um, for me, it's. Prayer is about, you know, we, you know, it's all mato matua iterangi. You know, uh, we pray this prayer. Um, you know, kia tapu to ingoa, kia tai mai to rangatira tanga. You know, give me a itia epaya kirunga kitiwinua, kirunga kitiwinua. In other words, your will be done, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, prayer is about. This, this, this ladder, this connecting between the wairua, te ao wairua and te ao kiko, kiko. You know, you it, like it's a, it's about truly 
acknowledging that connection. Um, and when you learn prayer, when you learn karakia, then you, you discover that that connection comes to you, or that connection is open to you in everything that you do. I forget it most of the time, <laughs> but but there becomes a moment like when I surf or when you're in the bush or whatever it's going on where that like that act of being in that space, uh, you know, I might go, you know, creator, I don't have the words right now, but I put my hand on this tree and I say thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, in, in other words, these, and now I'm not telling Tane Mahuta to, you will be this awesome sense of awesomeness to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're not, you're, you know, you're not doing it, but that, that relationship becomes a beautiful form of connecting to the creation and the creator at the same time. Some people, yeah, no, I won't even say that, but yeah. Cool, yeah, no, it relates to what we spoke about before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To honouring our to kind of attain our... Yeah, 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 totally, bro. That fuck up, that acknowledgement, true. Last one, bro, because I know you got to rock and roll and grab the kids, but it's the question that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. Oh, oh. Um, and it's just, it's, it's not, um, you know, bearing in mind you're not a mental health professional. Um, I'm not a what? A mental health professional. Oh, yep, killed it, killed uh, but, um, There'll be someone listening right now who's um, going through the wars. They might be feeling pretty low um, and going through it at the moment. Um, what would your invitation be? I, I've stopped using the word advice, uh, but what would you, you know, invitation or if we want to use the advice easier to wrap around, what would you offer them in order to help them through this stage? Uh, oh, bro. Yeah, yeah. Big question, bro. Mm. And to our crew out there, Namihi, Kia Koto. Like, this too will, this too will pass. Um, and creativity, creativity is endless. And what I, what I will say is that where, like, like a success you might have had one day is, 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 a, is a creative moment. You know, whether that's a success of, I don't know, buying something or doing something or whatever, there's a, but other creative moments will happen uh, for for us all. I, I, bro, this is just what popped in my head. Yeah. So sorry if this doesn't make sense. Well, but does. sometimes, you know, I, I, I just, th- you know, I, I think of perhaps, uh, you know, musicians that the world has lost, and my heart goes, oh man. Whether that's through sickness or whatever it is, I just go, oh man, I wish they were around to see this day or to see this moment. Or for us to hear the noise, the creation, the creative noise that they would be making right now. You know, and I go, okay, there's, um, like, like I'm, a, I, I, I'm a musician, I I've had some incredible highs as a musician that you know in my thirties. I'm now in my mid forties. That I go, oh man, flip. You know, I, I get tempted to go, oh man, I'm never going to experience that again. And then I go, well, hell, no, that's bullshit. Like, uh, create creativity is never never ending. I just have to tap into it. So I I, I would go to our guys, like man, 
life is hard right now. Like, it's crazy. I'm just starting to write a piece. And, like, we struggle because we're locked down. You know, we can't go to spaces we might want to go to wherever we are around the country or even around the globe. And we feel really, really bad. Yet we turn on the news and see Afghanistan and go, that's really, really bad. Yep. But I still feel bad. And I just go, man, that's actually really, it's, that's, that's a real, real hard thing. But I would say that there are, there's, there's, there's avenues of life slash creativity that are always available to be tapped into. Um, we just have to muster the courage to want to f- step into and to, to ask the creator as the source of creativity open up to me in my life new relationships new works new music new sound new food new experiences like whatever that m- might be whatever that might be and actually grant man I remember having this cocktail once bro had this cocktail, I had a shot, put it in my mouth, stood up in the middle of this restaurant and said, praise you, Jesus. Just because it was a new flavour that I'd never had before, right? Uh, in other words, there, there, there are moments of life where you tap into a real thing that's in a spiritual experience. There's, a, there's another experience for you to have. There's another experience to be had. So go and find... Just that other experience is just waiting around the corner for all of us. Tap into it, guys. Awesome, bro. Well, look, you know, ane te mihi kia koe, bro. Rawe te tūta ki a koe, kia korero hōhonu rawa. Kia, you know, tohaine ngā katakata, ngā mena mene. Ngā pauritanga hoki, ki rotu i tō tātou. Te reiwa, no reira. Ka nui te mihi, bro. I'm stoked that we finally got to sit down and have a chat. As we said... We met that one day when you yeah. first came here, <laughs> and we hadn't seen each other since. Yeah, um, and then you know things moved into place that allow us to be together. So awesome, bro! I really appreciate your time, and I look forward to the next one. So, bro, not me. There it is, episode eight of season three. Here with Best Side, catching up with. Dean of the Sudnaki Cathedral's Church of St. Mary's in New Plymouth, Mr. Jay Rooker. Make sure you check out his website, huiacomehome.com, to learn more about the dream and also the book that he mentioned. And if you want to follow Jay uh, on socials as well, you can find it all there. Don't forget it. If you want to be leaving us any comments, reviews, we'd appreciate it. You can do this anywhere that you are listening, whether that's through Anchor, Spotify, Apple, all those spots. Make sure you do leave us uh, any comments, even if it's bad feedback. I want to know that one. So we're into our third season, and this is the last episode for season three. And season four is looking to be even bigger and better. A few people as well might be wondering why this episode did not air uh, on YouTube. Uh, It's because we had part of the video not work out as planned. Uh, But make sure you check out all our socials. I've got the snippets of video and stuff that did work. And once again, I want to do a big shout out to Mr. Ben Darth, who you would have heard uh, come through on the, uh, on the episode as well in the background there. He was doing a bit of media and stuff for us for uh, the crew at Mad Mood magazine. So make sure if you're living in Taranaki, you go pick up the latest issue of Mood, which is dropping today as well. Not only do we finally, we're going to catch you up and I will see you next time. Same place, same channel. 
ให้คนอ่ะ